Hey there, listener, and welcome to Popner Lounge. I'm your host, Steph Pham. On this episode, I'll be speaking with Kathleen Ventura. She's an entrepreneur, mentor, and TEDx speaker. She'll be talking about intentional living, what intentional living means, how to overcome your hurdles, and what you can do to start living a value-aligned lifestyle. Sit back, grab your favorite beverage, and let's listen to Kathleen Ventura. My guest today is Kathleen Ventura. Kathleen, thank you so much for taking your time out of your day to speak with me. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I wanted to bring you on to talk about what is intentional living. So before we can even have this discussion, can we describe what intentional living is and define it for our listeners? Yeah. So the way that, yeah, I love that question to start. So like the way that I always talk about intentional living is living a value aligned lifestyle. So when I say value aligned, I mean like actively and intentionally participating and designing and creating a life and a lifestyle that's in alignment with what's actually important to you versus what society has told us should be important to us. And and the way that I think about that is kind of actively intentionally choosing like what kind of food do I like or what kind of vacations do I really want to go on or you know where do I really want to live and what kind of work is important to me and what's the priority with work you know is it about a great paycheck or is it about having a short commute so you're not a stressed maniac is it about doing work that fulfills you is it about being able to provide a particular lifestyle for your family just really being conscious and intentional versus sort of defaulting and sort of sleepwalking through those important choices in life which ultimately end up being your life and how you experience your days and what what actually goes on in your days. Essentially creating purpose behind your actions. Is there a Mm -hmm. difference between intentional living and mindfulness? Ooh, I like that. You know, I feel like mindfulness has become such a buzz thing right now. You know, I think mindfulness can be thought of in terms of being present. I think it can be thought of in like terms of like yoga. Um, I think it can be in terms of like, you know, things like that. And I don't think that I would say that there's a difference as much as like mindfulness is part of intentional living. Um, I would say that it's literally being mindful of your choices. You know, I think that that's what, in my mind, that's what I describe intentional living as, is being mindful, being intentional, actually like aligning your values with the way, you know, that you go into your day and the, the people you surround yourself with, the things you take on and say yes to. So I feel like mindfulness is a part of that, of literally being mindful of those choices and bearing in mind what your values are when you make those decisions. Can you describe to me how you found intentional living in your life and how has it enhanced your life after you discovered it? Ooh, good question. So how has it enhanced my life? It, it would be... It would probably, sorry, I feel like I should have been ready for that question. It, it would have probably have been... So I've always been intentional, I guess I would say, you know, ever since maybe like I was in college or something, I was always kind of doing whatever I wanted to do rather than just the path that was laid out ahead of me, right? Get a four-year degree, maybe get your master's, get a job right out of school. You know, I always was like, well, but I want to study abroad and I want to intern at Disney and I want to do these sort of different things. So I always was, I would say, intentional. Um, I definitely probably was not mindful in that I was definitely not attached to my body or self-aware in that way, right? Like in the way that I'm much more connected to myself and what I would consider mindful now. I would say that that probably came up 
So after I graduated from school, I uh, bought a one-way ticket to Costa Rica, and I lived there for 15 months. Then I came back to the U.S. and worked a corporate job, sort of just proving my theory about myself, right? Like, I cannot do this. This is, like, not what I was designed to do, sit at a desk all day long and let someone else sort of dictate what my value is and when I can go to the bathroom and when I can go home. Just not not how I was wired when I was <laughs> when I was wired. So, so after about three years, my husband and I actually decided decided to quit our jobs and save up a bunch of money and travel. And I would say that it was during that time that I became more, more mindful, having always maybe been quite intentional being more mindful of like what is really important to me how can I slow down how can I hear myself how can I be aware of everybody around me and things like that and how that's changed me is got everything you know it's the work that I do it's the community involvement that I'm part of it's the way I interact with my family and my friends uh, and how I prioritize their well-being and how I prioritize taking care of myself you know I think that mindful is sort of the more like dare I say spiritual component uh, for me, got it, not for everybody, I wouldn't say, but for me, it's been more of the sort of self-awareness and spiritual component of living intentionally, that it's about just really being like patient with myself and uh, present. And I know that I guess somewhere deep down in everyone, we kind of want to aspire to this, a whole living with purpose and taking our actions to meet our purpose in life. I know this happens too. A lot of people, if not everybody, we end up in this where we are scrolling through Facebook or other types of social media, and we kind of get what I call highlight real envy. We see our friends traveling or buying like different things in their life, and we're like, I want that thing in my life, and we kind of have that um, highlight real envy. So how, how do you define us moving away from that, but starting to live our actions to where we can actually receive that kind of ideal lifestyle that we want? Yeah, absolutely. I think it is so important to to like mention as often as possible, like in any space of leadership, like it when you see something on the internet or on social media, it is in fact that it is just someone's highlight reel. It's never a full picture at all of what's actually going on behind the scenes, the hard work it took to get there, the heartache, the sacrifice, the challenges, or um, who even knows, right? Like what's going on. And I think what what's really important, like when you're in this space of like there's got to be something more. I just, I need a change or I feel like this, how is this my life a little bit? Um, or whatever it is, like when you feel like it's time for me to shift or start living with more purpose or more intention. Um, and you become, you can be very easily intimidated by, you know, like the Pinterest of the world and the Instagrams of the world, like showing like these highlight reels of like, wow, they've got it all figured out and they're like perfect looking and they have the perfect marriage and they have the perfect job and the cutest house, like whatever, you know, whatever it is that you're looking at. It's really important to like always remember one, that's not the whole story. And two, that you, it's never fair to compare your beginning to someone else's middle ever that you've got to remember that I always used to tell my clients when I was coaching, like everyone starts at zero. We all start with zero dollars in sales, zero emails on our email list, zero listeners to our podcast. We all start there. Right. And it's only up from there. Like it's all level playing field at the beginning. So we all, we all have to start there. And those people that you're seeing that have whatever it is that you're either seeing and inspired by or intimidated by or whatever it may be, they had to start somewhere too, you know, and that should actually be encouraging rather than intimidating because if they started at zero or, you know, at the equivalent, you know, I'm just using that as a metaphor, right? And they are where it appears that they are, um, you can get there too. And I think what's really important, and this will probably be an answer to another question I feel like we may, we may get into, is that it all starts with baby steps. 
You know, I think there's always a time for quantum leaps and big leaps and jumping and hoping the net's there. But I think real progress, like real sustained progress, specifically with purposeful living and intentional living is like one foot in front of the other consistently. Because then you start to gain traction, you start to get proud of yourself, you start to see that your actions matter and that your choices are making a difference and changing the way you feel and the way you show up. Um, And it's really about one thing at a time versus trying to like swallow all of the things that you have ever wanted and just be there tomorrow. It doesn't work like that. Exactly, exactly. And so segueing into that, a lot of people's uh, set goals or they have these things they want to achieve. and, And I feel like a lot of that is like at the beginning of the year. But then we start to kind of lose our momentum and start to lose our momentum or gain on, on these goals. How do you suggest we keep that momentum going, it, like alluding to the baby steps that you, you just spoke of? I think that's such a fair question because I think even the like even all of us with like our willpower and our you know all of the things right like we're so disciplined and we have so much willpower it still is like the middle of January and we're like falling off the the bandwagon and we're like I suck it was never going to happen for me oh my god everyone's better everyone else is better than me I just don't have the willpower see I never follow through on right. anything I'm never you know like we do that we turn we turn into like we go from like January one where we're like get out of our way this is my year and then it's like the third or fourth week of January and we're like see I just am never gonna amount to anything and that's such an unfair assessment like let's be real like we're all human beings you know like every self-help book in the world is gonna tell you it takes 21 days or 30 days to create a habit um, that it's important when you're making lifestyle changes versus quick fixes that it's important to set uh, practical goals versus going from I've never go to the gym to I'm gonna go to the gym seven days a week and that's that and I'm gonna do it seven days a week for the rest of my life you know that maybe setting like, wow, I'm going to go to the gym three days a week for the first six months. And then when I'm kicking butt with that, I'm going to add a fourth day. You know, I mean, everyone's, everyone is different. Everyone's process is different. Everyone's achievement to goals is different, but it, it is really important getting those early wins. Our brain likes feedback, right? Like our brain likes to be like, I did this. And I got this desirable result that I wanted. Hmm, this feels good. I'm going to keep doing this, you know. So I think I think just to answer your actual question, a couple of things. Um, one is, first of all, I think it's great to have really ambitious goals. I think that's how we get there, right? Like shoot for the sky, shoot for the moon, and you'll be amongst the stars, kind of thing, right? You know, if you shoot, you know, if you shoot for a goal to, you know, hit a million dollars with your business this year, and you hit eight hundred thousand, you're not going to be like, oh, I suck, right? You know, so shoot for shoot for big ambitious stuff or whatever but also just be real with yourself you know like be really honest with how you set goals and what your processes are so if you set out like early january and you're like i'm going to take on the world this year this is the year that i whatever go vegetarian or move to europe or you know do your crazy thing and then you start falling off and you start feeling bad about yourself or guilty go back and like recalibrate how do you do, how do you operate best? Because everyone's different. Some people are like quick starters and they want to go 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 go, and other people they need to get there. They don't respond well to change. Their system sort of like freaks out and is like, "This is scary and new, and I don't know what this is. I'm going to help you self sabotage." You know. So I would say like go back and be real with yourself about how you process and set yourself up for success. You know, like set like milestone goals. Right. The second thing that I think is like really important is having some kind of support system. Don't go at anything alone if you don't have to and your support system could be some fancy high-end mastermind it could be some like online facebook group it could be like an accountability buddy that lives in sweden that you've never met you know it could be it could be anybody right so 
I think having a sense of like support and someone to cheer you on and say like, well done. Like, I'm so impressed. Like, I know you think that you're floundering, but I just want to tell you like everything I just heard from you, like you're kicking butt. Just to be clear, I think someone needs to remind you of that. That goes a long way, especially when we're setting new goals for ourselves. Our, our system, our brain system is what I'm talking about. Like, uh, rebels against change or growth because growth is unfamiliar and quote unquote unsafe, you know, for parts of our brain that tell us like, it's so much safer to stay in your comfort zone, just go back there. So having yourself surrounded by people who can lift you up, can be your cheerleaders, who can hold you accountable, um, who can applaud you when you feel like you're not doing well and, and remind you that you in fact are, I think that's another major component. So I would say setting really achievable goals within the way that you process best doesn't make you bad or good or anything. It just means that's the way that you process. And also having someone or someone's um, or many people, however that works for you, many different whatever, like avenues of people to hold you up because we can't get anywhere we want to go on our own. Exactly. Let's be real, exactly. right? Exactly. And a lot of this, I, I feel like, starts with asking yourself, what's your why? Do you believe that's a good question to like mm-hmm. start off? Of course. Of course. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I think, I mean, and I want to like, and even change that. So like my immediate past professionally was working with um, women entrepreneurs in the online space. And when you would ask them like, what's your why? I would always hear things. I worked a lot with like health coaches and life coaches and web designers and copywriters and people who were doing online service-based solopreneur things. And it would usually be like, I just want women to like feel better about themselves and whatever. And I think that's phenomenal to have a why for everyone else. But I also would add to it that it's important that you have a why for you as well, because stuff is going to get hard, you know, like money's going to get tight. Like you're going to have to make sacrifices about choosing one opportunity over another, whatever it is. And you need to have, you need to have some personal skin in the game. Like you need to remind yourself me working this hard or moving across the country or starting this business or going back to school or having whatever thing it is that you want that's in line in alignment with you being more purposeful. Um, if it's only about this sort of intangible out there, it's going to be tough when you're like crying yourself to sleep or like exhausted because you haven't slept in two days or something for whatever reason, you know, because of deadlines or taking too much on, you have to, you have to be able to have have something tangible within your own life, right? Like, you know, at the end of this or by next week or whatever it is, I'm going to feel better. I'm not going to be so exhausted or I'm going to be able to provide for my kids to go to the best school in the area or whatever it is. So I think that like asking yourself, like, what is your why um, for the greater good? And also what is your why for like you, you know, I think, I think it's important to have both and to be clear on both so that you can be, um, have some emotional investment in the journey that you're about to embark on. You know what I mean? And I feel like a lot of my listeners can relate to what you're speaking of because I know that a lot of listeners are the creative types and what we deal with on a daily basis, I know that something that holds us back is the thought of two things. Either we're going to face rejection or failure. So what is your advice to kind of overcome those thoughts and to really take like small bite actions, like you said, to achieve whatever lifestyle that we're trying to attain? Yeah, 
Okay, so rejection and failure, they're just such scary words, I feel like, that we talk about as seekers and creatives and dreamers and stuff, right? So here's the thing is, I don't think that failure is real unless you let it stop you. So that's my, I mean, that's my personal belief. Everyone has a different version of failure, right? So if we had 100 people in the room and I like rapid fire went around and said, what does failure mean to you? Everyone would have a different thing. For some people, it would be disappointing their parents. For some people, it would be be being seen, not doing what they promised to do. Some people, it would be about running out of money some people it would be about um, you know whatever so whatever whatever it is that it is for you that's okay that's that's your everyone's entitled of course to have your definition but I think um, there is really truly no failure unless you let that experience stop you you know so yes maybe we like try to get a book published and the publisher says no or you know something like that right or people don't buy it and you're really upset that's not a failure unless you decide to stop writing because of that experience do you know what I mean so that's like one as far as like rejection goes it's it's just part of the process right I think I saw a TED talk years ago that said like we will avoid rejection I think people are like more afraid of rejection than like public speaking or something like that if I'm not I could be I could stand corrected no but as far as rejection goes people will literally do almost anything to avoid rejection it's like the discomfort of being seen not getting what you want or being told you're not enough or that you're not good enough or that you aren't qualified or that something that you had worked hard or hoped for you like arrive and they're like nope but as far as rejection goes basically um it has it's it's a thing that you'll get better at um I don't know if you're familiar with Sarah Blakely who started Spanx she's a one of the whatever first self-made female billionaires mm-hmm. she still owns her 100% of her company she started it with a $5,000 $5,000 in savings you know at her kitchen table blah 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 and um, she talks about how when she was growing up that around the dinner table in the evenings her dad would ask her brother she and her brother um, how did you get rejected today and took like the fear out of it, took the stigma out of it. And she now does that with her kids and her husband, who's also a multimillionaire, like a serial entrepreneur. He talks about that in his keynotes about how she has like demystified this sense of rejection um, to make it just part of the game. Like that's how you get there is that it's a roadmap and it's feedback to say this is not the path or this is not the path right now, or maybe this is the path, just change a thing or two or whatever it is. So I think to me, rejection is part of it, but it's also the the meaning you decide to assign to it you can make it mean I'm not good enough I'm not worthy other people are smarter better more prepared whatever it is than me or you can just say this wasn't this wasn't it this wasn't the time this wasn't the whatever it was um, or, or whatever it is, but I think it's really important that you frame rejection as not being like the end all be all of your journey. Because if you look at any person, anyone in any field, a business owner, a creative, um, a leader of a country or a government or whatever, and you talk to them about the failure or the, the, the rejection that they've had to face, they will all have very similar stories of how many times they were told you can't do it, you're not capable, you're not good enough, smart enough, woman enough, man enough, whatever, to be able to do it. Everyone who's ever gone anywhere that you're looking at thinking, I wish I had that. I wish I could be like them. I wish I had books that sold like that. I wish I had projects that got picked up by famous people, whatever it is. They've all had a sense of rejection. So just like welcome to the club, I think, is, you know, is how I would maybe frame that. And just remember that the only things that really matter is the the meaning that we assign to things. And the great news is, is that we're in control of the meaning that we assign to 
to particular experiences. Would you say that there is no final destination to intentional living? It's not some seek to perfection. It's like a constant journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so when I started talking specifically about intentionally living, it was when we were living nomadically out of a backpack. And I just started saying like, why are people not doing what they want with their lives, you know, I mean, like, so we were, like, in our 20s, traveling around with a backpack, like, house-sitting at all these gorgeous houses and all these beautiful places in the world, and we'd always inevitably get into conversations with people in airports or whatever that would say things to us, like, must be nice, or wouldn't, oh, I wish I had done something like that, or I wish I could have done something like that, and, like, the naive, the naive me was, like, uh, why couldn't you? Like, you think I was like handpicked to just like live this really cool life? You think there wasn't any risk involved that like two twenty somethings quit their really secure job with health insurance in the middle of a recession to just run around the like the globe like crazy people? Like, obviously, like you know. So I started hearing so much like I wish I could, I wish I had, I wish I could have, um, and all of this stuff. And I started thinking like people are really not thrilled with their current life circumstances, you know, and I had always just kind of been like, I'm unhappy. I'm going to go get the thing that I want, like not beg, borrow or steal literally, but like get out of my way. I'm going to figure it out, you know? And I learned mostly in that experience that that, that I'm, that I'm not like most people in that way. Um, and that's, I mean, that's okay. I mean, there's a lot of weird things <laughs> wrong with me in other ways, you know, but like, um, and I'm still like extremely risk averse, like, you know, still being an entrepreneur today. It's the weirdest thing that my husband's like, are you sure you're an entrepreneur? Like you're so scared of change. And I'm like, I don't know how I make it work. But to go back to that, like, I started being really clear that, like, there's a lot of people who aren't living or having or doing or being the things that they want in life and feel upset about it and have no sense of how to change their current circumstance. So I first had to start and look at me and was like, how am I doing this? What am I doing? What's important to me, right? So, like, my journey started with, like, well, it's really important to me to, like, invest in uh, freedom and freedom, like a freedom lifestyle of being able to go where I want, when I want to go, to be able to earn money and to be in charge of like my income threshold, which is entrepreneurship. Ultimately, Um, I want to be able to be with who I want to be with, like whether that's like being able to be with my family when they're sick or see my husband more than like one afternoon because we're working opposite shifts and like living together, but never actually seeing each other. Like I want to be in charge of that. Right. So that's where it started for me was like, I want to intentionally prioritize opportunities, lifestyle choices, whatever to, to allow that. And then, and then it like morphed into so many other things. Right. So then I started questioning that, you know, like, where do I want to live? And what kind of work do I want to do? And what kind of work is going to allow me to have location independence? Okay, great. I'm going to do that. What does that mean that I have to do? And so as I started doing that, I started getting more, you know, involved with other entrepreneurs, other location independent people. And then I started, I forget what it was. Oh, so then like what happened was we were living in New Zealand, house sitting, and my husband came home after having just like read something. And he's like, I just read that like dairy and sugar feed cancer and disease. We're not eating it anymore and I was like what is he on like I'm eating like at this point I'm having like coffee every single day with like cow's milk and white refined sugar by the clump okay and he's like we're not eating that stuff anymore I just read this thing and I'm like you're out of your mind like I didn't even get a send-off pizza yo like what's up so 
we started like whatever. So I'm like trapped in this house in the middle of nowhere in New Zealand. So I can't even go to the store if I wanted to. So we like did this for 30 days. And I started telling everyone like, oh, I'm doing this for 30 days. But during that time, of course, I started reading about like dairy and like what it does to your body and what kind, what that industry is actually like. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't know about this. Like, how did I not know these things? So then all of a sudden it became like, well, if I want to be more intentional about what I'm putting in my body, what's going on with factory farming? And if they're doing this and, you know, if it, this is what goes into my body, what are they putting in like shampoo and like soap and toothpaste that's really poisonous? And all of a sudden it went from like, I want to have this like freedom lifestyle. I want to be aligned with these, with this, with this kind of freedom. And I want to be able to be who I want to be and be with who I want to be with. And then it became like, I want to eat food that nourishes me because I have no interest in getting sick if that's preventable. And then it became like, well, if I'm thinking about eating this, well, what about, you know, like there's also like, you know, they're genetically modifying the food. They're also genetically modifying the cotton that we wear and how bad is that for the farmers that are doing that and I don't want to be part of that and all of a sudden I turned into this crazy hippie that like originally grew up on like a standard American diet in the suburbs you go to school you get a degree you get a job you live happily ever after and save for retirement to this crazy person that like questions like every authority questions the government questions every product on the shelf you know like questions the food I now like literally like in about 10 minutes, you know, like after we have this conversation, we're building a greenhouse in our backyard so that we can like become more self-sustaining and be able to like grow our own food and control food quality, the like the food quality and the soil quality and the seed quality. And like somehow I got here, but it didn't start with, I was like born standard American diet, like suburban Chicago, um, grow up, get a job, go to school, get good grades to like crazy person like that I am now. Like it became, you know, it, it was this evolution of if I'm trying to be intentional about where my money goes well I don't want to be voting for factory farming I don't want to be voting for you know whatever people making clothes in sweatshops that's basically like child slave labor I don't want my hard-earned cash to be supporting that kind of practice okay well I also don't want to support um, big box stores if I can support a local small business owner and all of a sudden it's like wow I'm being really intentional about all of my choices not just about the work I do and where I'm located in the world but it doesn't and everyone's different right but for me it was like this unraveling of, wow, I, I've just been sleepwalking a lot through a lot of these choices. I just shop at the store that's closest to my house. I buy the food that I've always eaten and I buy the clothes that I've always bought, like no matter where they were made. And that was that. And all of a sudden I started questioning those things. So I don't even know what your original question was, but that was the tangent that I went on. So I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I no everything you said was so uh, validating. And like to kind of build off that too, something that you had mentioned throughout your talk was that you talked about you leaving security. And I think that's a lot of what people fear of is that, oh, I have a stable income and I, you know, I'm afraid of pursuing what I really love because I'm afraid of there's no safety net. For somebody who takes a lot of risk, how can we change that to where the risk can enhance us and challenge us to grow? Yeah. So I would say everybody has a different tolerance for risk. And I think that your tolerance for risk is malleable. I think you have to start somewhere, though. First, I think it's really important for us as humans to identify and understand, like truly understand that the reason that we're generally risk averse is because we were designed that way. There's literally a part of our brain that says, warning, warning, like we've never been here before. Hold the bus, go back to where it's safe. And safe generally means we've been here before and we've survived it, right? So that's the part of our brain that like back in the day when we were like cave ladies and cave men and we were like living on the same territory forever 
and we were like, I want to go to that territory over there that I've never been because I heard there's a waterfall, and then I'll have really good water for my family, and I can grow better food. And your brain comes up and is like, uh, no, we've quite literally never been there before. That's uncharted territory. The mountain lion might eat you. And you're like, yeah, but I want to go because there's a waterfall and better water and better food for my family. It's probably really pretty. And you're like, I'm going. And your brain is like, no, mountain lion, going to eat you. So you start going. And because you like didn't listen to the scaries in your head, you maybe break your leg on the way there, right? It literally was about survival. Like it was literally about go back to where we know it's survivable in this comfort zone, quite literally, right? So now in today's day and age, like we don't have mountain lions. We just have like... Everyone on Facebook from high school is going to see me fail. Okay. Exactly. Okay. That's right. So so now we have like different mountain lions, right? In this metaphor. So first of all, it's important to understand we were like designed for self-preservation. And that's a good thing, right? Like, thank you, brain. Thank you, ego, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, for trying to keep me safe, for attempting to remind me that over here is dangerous. We've never been here. We may not survive this. We might, like, fall on our face and everyone might see us or whatever, right? So... First of all, like just understanding there is nothing wrong with you. When people talk to me about like self-sabotage or I keep getting in my own way, it's your brain's job to quote unquote self-sabotage you because it wants you to survive and that's its job. Okay. So thank you. So first of all, the part is always thank you for trying to keep me safe because if you hadn't been here to keep me safe, God knows what might've happened to me in the past, but I'm going to go ahead and move forward because, um, I have a safety net or because I've planned for this or because, I really, really, really want this because if, if I'm not going to do this, then what? You know, I'm just going to sit here and have this mediocrity situation for, <laughs> forever. I'm just going to sit here being complacent. So first of all, it's important to like understand that. Second of all, as far as like helping, having risk, like help sort of propel you versus hold you back. Um, remember that like nothing amazing has ever happened in your comfort zone. Very rarely. Right. So if I, it, you know, that quote, that's like, if you want something you've never had, you have to do something you've never done. Yes. That's the answer. So as far as like feeling scared or feeling like there's risk involved, remember that that means you're on the right path. Because if you're not scared or you're not intimidated or you're not a little bit worried, that likely means you're still hanging out in your comfort zone. And risk is actually a good thing. So I think it's important for everyone to calibrate what amount of risks they're cap- they're comfortable with. And I know that's a funny thing to say because, like, really, risk isn't a comfortable thing. But I don't ever want someone to think, I need to do something so dramatic and so scary that I'm literally, like, paralyzed by that fear. There's no need for that. There are some people who are like, oh my God, I had this idea. I'm going to jump off the cliff and a parachute will come because I can believe that. And they're going to buy that one-way ticket. They're going to quit their full-time job. They're going to like invest their life savings in, you know, their creative project, whatever it is. That's some people and game on, please do that. If that's you, you, not everyone has to do that though. Right. So like, I think it's important to calibrate your risk and to take the steps that you're comfortable with, but just know that you want to continue walking away from that comfort zone. And the more, the more people are telling you you're crazy crazy or the more they're talking about you and saying that you're crazy, the more likely you are on the right path because you're never going to achieve all of the things that you want to achieve or completely revolutionize your lifestyle or live a more purposeful life by doing, continuing to do the things that you've always done. And whether that looks like I'm going vegan tomorrow, or it looks like, Hey, I'm going to take a closer look at dairy. Again, just a metaphor for whatever your circumstances. It's important to know that no, nothing 
that you've ever wanted has come without risk of some kind. If you had to give if today, if you had to give one little advice to how somebody can take a small step to where they want to be, what would you tell them? Like somebody was just sitting there right there, like saying, oh, you know, I really want to go back to school to get my master's degree in business. Like, what would you tell them? Make one decision and take action towards it. So if it's, I want to go back to school and get my master's, pick the school, pick the semester that you're going to go back, pick the program, fill out the application, tell one person, do one thing is, is always the start because like I love Tony Robbins. He always says until you've taken action, you haven't actually decided. So take one action. So, and, and whenever that is for you, like we decided we were going to ride our bikes across the U S. So we had to first decide we got to get bikes. That was the first thing that we had to do. We went and bought bikes because we didn't even own bikes when we decided to do it. So always do one thing, put it on the calendar, Make the phone call, tell your friend, post on Facebook if you really want, make the phone call, fill out the application, quit the job, whatever. It doesn't have to be a big thing, but do one thing that makes it real. So I feel like I've just taken a life class from you, but if people were wanting to find out more about like maybe the coaching that you offer or more about you, where can people connect with you? Yeah, the best place is actually my website, which is weird. I never used to say that, but um, KathleenVentura.com is the best. And I've actually formally moved away from the coaching, and I'm just doing mentoring, which is just um, a lot – uh, it's a lot less of an investment and it's just more of like, Hey, if I've gone somewhere that you you want to go, or I have the life experience that, um, you might benefit from hearing from me about, it's more of just like a mentor mentee relationship. And all that info is on my homepage, just KathleenVentura.com. Kathleen, thank you so much for chatting with me. I've really enjoyed this chat and I feel like, um, any listener out there who's listening is going to benefit from our conversation. Steph, thank you so much for having me and for asking such like thoughtful questions. My guest today was Kathleen Ventura. We talked all about what intentional living is, how you can overcome hurdles, and how you can take a step closer to living a value-aligned lifestyle. Popner Lounge is produced by Steph Pham and V. Co. Graphic design is by V. Co. And the show is edited and hosted by Steph Pham. If you like this episode, please make sure you visit our website, popnerlounge.com. On our website, you'll be able to listen to all of our episodes, subscribe to get notified of our latest releases, and contact us if you have any show suggestions or any guest ideas you'd like to have on the show. Be sure to also follow us on our Instagram page at popnerlounge. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you tune in next time to nerd out on more pop culture. For Popner Lounge, I'm Steph Pham.